0: Welcome to another episode of Catalyzing Radical Systemic Change, where it's all about discovering, mapping, and cross-pollinating the various building blocks that I think are necessary towards a planetary civilization ahead. And today, my guest in the virtual room from Berlin-Prenzlauer Berg to the houseboat where he lives is Thomas Schindler. He coins himself simply T. And I perceive you, we know each other for quite a while now, as a very dedicated social entrepreneur that has managed to build a full circle for the regenerative economy. So today we're going to unpack really a tapestry of projects and how they interlink as an ecosystem. And my main point of this episode today is that I want to inspire you as a listener that it is truly possible to contribute and make a difference. And like always in my podcast, I don't leave the human being outside the door, so to say. But my first question today for you, T, is what were the defining moments and maybe pivotal events that made you the human being that you are today? And also um, give the people listening and insight on how you perceive the world and how you shape your projects.
1: Mm, Okay, big high bar, big questions. Thank you so much for having me, Alistair. It's a real pleasure to um, exchange these kinds of ideas in a more formal setting um, after many, many conversations. So really happy. Um, Yeah, so you want to Look into the human being first. Um, let's let's begin early. And so, I think my m- the most important part of my configuration is um, my uh, our dinner table conversations at home when I was little. We talked primarily about two things: existential threats and the power of natural science to mitigate those. Um, both were very, very high on um, our parents' minds, um, being natural scientists, and um, part of the first generation that became aware of what we're doing to the planet um, in the 70s with the um, with the limits to growth reports, with all of these activities happening, um, they were very aware. Now, the first time this... Um, this, this dangerous situation we moved ourselves into as a humanity became deeply visceral for me when Chernobyl blew up, and I was about 10, 11 years old, and, <clears throat> and we had just moved to Austria from Switzerland, where we lived a couple of years, and we were down, down downwind from the rain clouds that uh, rained down its uh, radioactive fallout. From coming from Chernobyl, from the Ukraine, and resulting in my dad running around with his Geiger counter for one and a half years until we could safely play in the garden again and eat a salad and um, all of these things. So that really left a mark. Something else that left a mark was <clears throat> my schoolmates, um, because the turns out that the, um, my Austrian schoolmates didn't really like the fact that I was speaking um, a different kind of German different different dialect. So they expelled me from the social group, I was the outsider pariah for a couple of years, which put me into the outside position I could observe the social dynamics of the group, I could, I could see um, who was the alpha why uh, why would usually he become the alpha, um, and how would he he stay there, et cetera. Which, once I had learned the the Austrian dialect, um, I used to my advantage and um, became the alpha very, very quickly. Not, Not accounting for the fact that when you do that, you're not motivated from within, you're only motivated from without. And that is a recipe for uh, hollowing out your soul, which I could feel when I was around 2021 20, and had partied and drugged myself into a probably a drug-induced psychosis, um, leading to a paranoia that I was so strong I couldn't leave the house anymore. Um, I, every, every time I encountered a human being, I thought, I had this sense they were looking at me and, and they could see inside of me and I could see what a hollow, useless shell I was. Right? So I, And I got the sense that sometime in the past I'd taken a wrong turn. I wanted to go back to that turn and take, the, take a different turn. And since time travel physically is not impossible, I came up with a way of at least transporting my brain back into that time by reading all of the books I had read when I was around age 14. And that literally helped my brain heal from that psychosis. Still took two years, which is the average time it requires to heal. But um, what I took away from that is that. You can actually shape the way you think. You can auto-poetically create yourself by changing the heuristics of what Daniel Kahneman would call your system one, which is effectively what I did. And um, over, over the course of years, I became much, much better at that. Another pivotal point came a couple of years later when my Dad suddenly died. Um, he was uh, um, my parents were at in their holidays in southern France. He went on a hike, and he was probably too curious. We don't exactly know what happened, but he fell into a thirty-meter um, uh, gorge, gorge de l'Anesque. Um, that's the um, like canyon, and um, and that I was about twenty. 524 or something at that point. And what I realized just a couple of days after that was that I had always relied on him catching me if I fall. I thought, I had thought that I was standing on my own feet. I was stable, but I wasn't. I was relying on him to catch me. And that was a really deep shift in, in, my, in the way I saw the world. My, my, I couldn't rely on my mom. She was devastated for a bunch of years, um, actually relying more on me to help her through that, through that crisis. So, so I was practically alone, and I had to really get my shit together. Right? So, so that's, that's, um, that's something else that, that really uh, changed, my, changed my life. And then the birth of my first child, my son, 2009 um, marks probably the the final um, of a series of really important um, moments in my life and it's important important because I had to get out of the mode of fantasizing about um, and and intellectually trying to understand how the world is wrong and what we should do and could do and actually get to doing. My, my, the way I, I envisioned this was, I wanted to be able to look this guy in the eyes when he's 14 and he asks me, dude, what did you do to, to, to solve the situation? And I needed to have an answer because I wanted the respect of my child. Right? And since just recently in the half, last half year, my mother died, so now I'm really practically alone and our. Um, beautiful little daughter was born so so that's a renewal of of all of these um these these processes
0: so i think that's that's a whole bunch of pivotal moments (laughs) of my life so what is very interesting and one of the features i really did not know is uh, i'm a little bit younger than you but i reckon Mm -hmm. we, we we form part of the same age cohort for me truly chernobyl Uh, Mm -hmm. I was seven years old and I come from a gardener's family was such a defining moment in my Mm -hmm. life because much like you, you know, we were forbidden to eat like anything in the garden and all the fruits and all the Mm -hmm. veggies, you know, they were contaminated. And just because, um, you know, to to mention how deep this goes, my parents, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of told me the truth. And when I came with uh, the pictures from the deformed, you know, babies from, from Mm. Ukraine, they, they expelled me from school, you know? So yeah. 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 So it's really very interesting, you know, how big the social pressure was, you know, to Mm -hmm. play that Mm -hmm. uh, down. Um, I wonder if, if we continue in your adulthood and how do I imagine your, your, first uh, career steps because i know many of these social entrepreneurs most likely also many of those listening you know it's a tough thing you know you 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 want to earn money you want to make a difference but but the system usually or often rewards just how the infrastructure is built you know to basically serve the old paradigm and you're usually the more successful, I'm not saying always, you know, the more you also apply this um, l- logic of extracting uh, value from a system. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Yeah, so, so curious to, to learn from, from, from your steps as an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, well, so ever, ever since I could think,
1: once, once this question comes up, what do you want to do in life? Um, I knew I was going to be a rock star. There was no doubt about it until I um, discovered that um, rocks don't save the situation of our planet, really. Right? So I wanted to do something more meaningful. And um, from my limited perspective, um, <laughs> uh, after graduating from high school, I thought maybe I should do something like social work. I could really hands-on help people. So I went on to study social work just to discover two things. One is, I'm not cut out for this. I would take all of these really, really um, painful experiences of people to heart and home and suffer. Um, That's one, Uh, but the more important is that I found that you're basically managing the system. You're not not improving anything as a social worker. So that turned me away from it. And roughly at the same time, which is somewhere in the um, mid-second half of the 90s, I found the internet. And I found how I could create using a computer and the internet. Actually, the mother of my of my girlfriend at the time she needed a website and uh, she said you're young you can do it and um, the first thing I did was I, I took the, the the HTML page source of Yahoo printed it out and read it for days until I could see patterns and um, and then I built a website for her with these patterns and uh, uh, shortly after that I I found databases and uh, connecting to databases and all of that stuff. And so I became really invigorated with that. Now, just an idea, and I have enough ideas and a computer, and you can realize it. Wow. And at the same time, I saw people getting pretty rich doing exactly that. And since from my social work experience, I could see that money was seemed to always flowing in the wrong direction. I thought, okay how how about I use that skill of building digital platforms to accumulate a shipload of money and then let it flow in the right direction. That's um, probably the standard way we think about philanthropy right you extract on one end and you you then fix something on another end. Um, And. First of all, I'm not really the kind of guy who um, builds large-scale businesses for several reasons. I'm, um, I cannot really um, market things I don't truly, deeply believe in. And as soon as I see an extraction, I have a hard time believing in it. Um, Plus, I was in the wrong environment. I was uh, that there were maybe in if I had been in some place like Silicon Valley, the the story would have unfolded differently. But it didn't so. Um, no shit, lot of money to solve the situation. But what then happened um, was I had a um, software company after building a several platforms, just to just to give a give an impression. Um, in 99, I built a thing called um, Stadtsein, um, that's uh, city being, so to say, and that's basically a platform like Yelp. So 99, I built something like Yelp. In 2000, I built something like MySpace, etc. So, So these were the kinds of things I, I built. And out of that emerged a software engineering company. And in 2003, I found myself in a meeting with... Ernst Welticke, he then was the head of the central bank in Germany, and Bernard Liataire, who had been the head of the central bank in Belgium and one of the architects of the introduction of the euro. And what they wanted to do was to come up with a new currency somewhere in Germany. in Unterfranken Berntal, the Berntaler. So that didn't happen for many political reasons, but my mind was blown. These high finance dudes come up with a new currency out of thin air. And so Benar was so nice to explain that mechanism to me, explain to me what money actually means. And it's in hindsight, very embarrassing to say, but um, I had taken money just for granted while I was, had grown up agnostic or atheist, so God didn't play a role. That was kind of like replaced by money. That was the the overarching power that just is, right? It's like rain, it's just there. And i would never asked uh, the question, where does it actually come from? Can we change the shape of it? I just saw its negative consequences um okay so i understood that the way we have set up our financial systems constitutes a large portion of the way we exploit the planet and the people and i can go into that for a long time i'm I'm going to hop over that now because i want to get to the to the points of the, the actual implementation of things so, for a couple of years, I, I started working on that. I started working on different kinds of um, complementary uh, currency systems, building software platforms around that. And then finally, I'm ending up at a point when my son was born, um, to decide I need a strong, solid platform to build these things. Because if I'm responsible for a child or uh, for a family, I am. Um, cannot just improvise my way through this like I had done the previous 15 years. So I started a software company called Delady, which is short for Deliver or Die, to remind ourselves um, that we want to use this as a platform to build things that we believe in. This is not a platform to maximize profits. This is not a platform to exploit. And we live that. Right. We deeply love that. My partner and I, we, every couple of months, we ask ourselves, are we still doing this? And if not, we close the company. And two or three times we were very close to that point saying, okay, we're getting off track, dude. And we have to somehow get back. So we did. And um, this also makes it very easy to say no to um, offers of acquisition, which we've had. We could have sold the company for um, large sums of money uh, at points, but we didn't, because we did not want to betray the mission, nor our partners, or employees, or anybody. Um, And it does serve as this platform. So what currently is happening there is DelliD is building software for clients, mostly, who build products they like, they, they, that help towards making the planet a good place. Uh, an example of that I like is uh, with a large energy company in, in Europe, we built a system to m- make private charging stations, for stations public. So a bit like Airbnb. You Airbnb out your, your charging station for others, and you earn a little bit of money if others charge your cars in your charging station. And that's a beautiful project because it's technically um, demanding, challenging. Uh, it's it's really solving an issue. Um, it's a lot of fun, right? That's the kind of projects we like doing. And then around that, that gives us the opportunity to do things that don't immediately give us any financial returns. And currently, is three plus two that constitute um, the early stages of what we hope will become a flywheel towards actually giving an even broader platform to, 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 to people to build similar efforts on top.